This sermon is brought to you by Buford Road Baptist Church. The speaker today is Pastor Tony Cahoot. Take your Bibles today and turn with me, if you will, please, to the book of James. And I want to bring a conclusion to the series made new. And the message today is entitled Faith in Action. But this morning, I'm going to read for you in James chapter 2, and I want to begin reading in verse number 14 through 17. The scripture says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him? Well, let me pause and say absolutely not because we're reminded and told in the scriptures often that not of works of righteousness which we have done. And for by grace are you saved through faith and not of works. So can faith save him? Well, it depends. You have to ask God to believing in faith that he will save you. But when he saves you, listen, you cannot do anything to advance your salvation by anything you do. It's completed at the cross. When you trust the Lord Jesus as your personal Savior by faith, for by grace are you saved through faith, your faith in the saving finished work of the cross in Christ alone will bring salvation into your soul. But you cannot work for your salvation. And look at this, if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food, and one of you say unto them, depart in peace, be ye warmed and not filled, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body, what doth the profit? In other words, if a person comes to you, and according to this scriptural illustration, He comes to you and he says, I'm freezing cold. I don't have anything to keep me warm. It's snowing outside and uh, the temperatures are frigid. And you say, be warm, my friend. (laughs) And walk away. What good does that do? That's what the scripture is asking. That's the illustration that we have in the word. Now look at this in verse 17. Even so faith, if it hath not works, is dead, being alone. So I want to speak this morning as we conclude this series on Made New with this subject, Faith in Action. In this series entitled Made New, we've been talking about the powerful ways that the resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ affects our life and how he does by his spirit make us new in many different ways. By the power of the resurrection, we can be made new as far as our eternal destination goes. When we confess with our mouth and believe in our heart the Lord Jesus Believing that God raised him from the dead, according to the scriptures, Paul said, we shall be saved. 
And so the power of the resurrection, our faith believing in God, trusting Jesus and his finished work on the cross, believing that God raised him from the dead, according to the scriptures, we can be made new. We can become in Christ, new creatures in Christ, where old things are passed away and all things become new. That's what we talked about in message number one in this series. The second message, a couple of weeks ago, we discovered that because of the grace of God, we can move past our past. Our sins and our failures and our mistakes do not have the last word on our life. The final word, Jesus does. And for that to God be the glory. And last week we took another look at the far-reaching effects of the resurrection when we talked about how when we are born again, that we are born into the family of God. We become joint heirs with him. He becomes our heavenly father. We have been adopted into his family. And now as, as believing in like faith, we become brothers and sisters in Christ. And it completes us. It makes us part of his royal family. And today I want to show us in the word how his love, when it reaches far down deep in our soul, we can allow our faith that we have put in him and him alone, how we can transition that faith and transfer that faith by putting all we believe and hope for into action and begin serving not only one another, but the world around us as we serve him and work for the kingdom. Now listen carefully. Faith requires us to make a lot of decisions. And that's very important. Every single one of us have had to make, and perhaps you're in the valley of decision now, but we make decisions at some point in our life, we've made decisions before in our life, maybe we're making decisions right now, where we have had to put our faith in someone or something. We make decisions all the time. Certainly our faith in the origination of this thing called faith, we put it in the Lord Jesus Christ and in him alone. But over and over, we're taught in the word that once we have put our faith in Christ, that we are commanded in scriptures to live by faith. Faith, it should dominate our life. It should control our life. It should compel our life. In fact, I want to give you four quick scriptures here. And this probably uh, is something that you need to refer to often. Maybe you want to write it in the margin of your Bible right here in these passages. But... One of them comes from the Old Testament, the book of Habakkuk, chapter 2, verse number 4. The word says, Behold, his soul which is lifted up is not upright in him, but the just shall live by faith. Now I'm going to give you four illustrations in the word where the scriptures emphatically teach us that the just shall live by faith. The first is found in Habakkuk, chapter 2, and verse number 4. Number two is in Galatians chapter three and verse number 11. But that no man is justified by the law in the sight of God, it is evident. 
for the just shall live by faith. And then in Romans 1, 17, the scripture says, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. As it is written, the just shall live by faith. And then in Hebrews chapter 10, verse number 38, a scripture that probably most everyone is well familiar with. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall not or shall have no pleasure in him. So every one of us, when we have given our hearts to Christ in faith, we have been confronted with decisions and we certainly make them all the time. At that moment, when we put our faith in Christ, we are exercising confidence in him and we are trusting in him alone. But as we live in this life with Christ now, by faith we are exercising confidence in a person or a thing that we are confident. When you put your faith in someone, you initially, by faith, are putting your confidence in something or someone that they're not going to hurt you that they are there for your best interest and looking out for you. Having faith in the resurrection of the Lord Jesus, the resurrected Jesus means that we're going to trust him and him alone by faith to guide us every single day of our lives. We understand that God is just not a Sunday God that he is a God every single day of the week, 24 hours a day to us. And we know that. And uh, he has proven himself over and over to us. And so this morning, number one, if you're looking at your bulletin today, I want to emphasize that true faith requires action. I want to explain that to you just for a minute. And I want to use James 1.22 for a foundational point to this. The scripture says, but be ye doers of the word. That's something that's often neglected. I'm amazed how many times that we can read a verse of scripture and we pick and choose what part of that scripture we really want to believe or really want to apply to our lives. It's amazing how much of the word of God that we eliminate for our own convenience. But the scripture says here, but be ye doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. We can take that scripture out of context. We can put it, we can mix it up, throw it out to you in any way uh, that you want to receive it. But that doesn't make it right. We have to go by the word but be ye doers of the word. That's something that we have a tendency at times to negate, leave out, or, or we do not find that that part is necessary. We want to hear the word. But when it comes down to doing the word, that's where we often have frustrations or troubles. We have to understand this, that faith has to be followed by actions. Keep that in mind. Faith is an exercise. It's not just a spiritual word in our vocabulary. For example, listen to this. I want to give you a couple of illustrations of what faith and action is all about. And these come from the Lord Jesus himself. Jesus said to the lame man, 
take up your bed and walk. Now you think about that just for a moment. What if the man had said, but you know, I can't do it. Think about what the Lord says and how it took faith, not only faith, but that man had to exercise his faith. He had to put his faith in action. For example, the man with the withered hand, Jesus said this, stretch forth your hand. Now, Jesus could have looked at the man and said, listen, I know you've got problems with your hand. I'm, I'm sorry for that. Nothing would have been done or accomplished. So the thing that I want you to stress in your heart this morning is this, that when this thing of faith is confronting us, we have to remember that faith is followed by actions. Take up your bed and walk, stretch forth your hand. To the nobleman, Jesus said this, go your way, get busy, move, because your son is healed. The man that had the infirmity for 38 years, Jesus asked him this question. It required a response. Wilt thou be made whole? The man had to deal with that question. To the lepers, the 10 lepers, he said this, go show yourself to the priest. To Peter, who was on the storm-tossed sea, who was asking the Lord Jesus to allow him to walk on the water too. Jesus said this, come. You have to think about this. We have to be willing to do what the word says and what he says to make the necessary changes in our life. So faith requires action. It requires us to get busy. Laziness, I will tell you this, leads us to comfort zones. And when we get stuck in our comfort zones, you know what? All all we want to do, really and truly, we don't don't want to live by faith. that's, That's a complicated word sometimes because living by faith requires action. We really don't want that. We would much rather be content by being hearers of the word not doers. When we become doers of the word, then we got to get out of the pew. We got to get busy. We have to be tangible. We have to be visible. We have to be present. We have to be a voice, not just hearing and not just speaking a word, be thou warm. We have to get busy. And You know, when we get comfortable in our comfort, because we begin to make all kinds of excuses. And just next Sunday, I'm going to begin this series, Go With God, and and we're going to be looking at the book of Exodus, and we're going to see some marvelous truths that apply to the day we live right now. But it's amazing how many times when God begins to speak to our hearts and lives where it requires a movement, it requires obedience, how we begin to present ourselves to God in a manner that we're trying to convince God he's got it wrong. He's, he, he doesn't know what he's doing. Not, not me, God. Sin Aaron. He's a much better speaker than I've got to speak. But don't you think God knew that in the beginning? See, God knows all about us. He knows what we're made of. He knows our weakness. 
He knows our temptations. He knows our fears. He knows our talents. He certainly knows our gifts because every good gift and perfect gift comes from above, the word says. He knows all about us. And when he begins to move in our hearts, you need to step out on faith. He's not doing that on the blind side. He knows all about us. But what happens is a lot of times we get so comfortable where we are, we're not interested in the movement. We're not interested in getting busy. But faith, listen carefully, it's followed by actions. One of the best ways to put your faith in action is to keep your priorities straight. I think as a pastor today, I, I, I pastor so many people and have been doing it for almost 40 years right here. And one of the things that I'm challenged with almost on a daily basis is I see that sometimes priorities are so off pace or off the path from what you look at something and 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 you say God help them guide them direct them lead them and oftentimes I see things so far in the ditch and it's because that our priorities are not right here's a good way to keep your priorities straight keep you on the path that's straight and narrow with God it's real simple Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things will be added unto you. The book of Luke, it offers us an incredible story of faith and I want us to look at it from an unexpected source this morning. I want us to look at Luke chapter seven and I want to read for you the first six verses. This is an amazing story, but I think it's very applicable for what we're talking about today. Luke 7, verses 1 through 6. Now, when he had ended all his sayings in the audience of the people, he entered into Capernaum. And a certain centurion servant who was dear unto him was sick and ready to die. When he heard of Jesus, he sent unto him the elders of the Jews, beseeching him that he would come and heal his servant. And when they came to Jesus, they besought him instantly saying, that he was worthy for whom he should do this. For he loveth our nation, and he hath built us a synagogue. Then Jesus went with them, and when he was now not far from the house, the satyrian sent friends to him, saying unto him, Lord, trouble not thyself, for I'm not worthy that thou shouldest enter under my roof. Now, in this particular passage, Jesus is entering this little town of Capernaum. I've been there many times. It's a beautiful place. And in this story, get this straight now, there is a Roman centurion who hears about the arrival of Jesus and his community. At this particular point, the Romans were ruling is the power in Israel. What makes this interesting is this, that this particular centurion, he was part of this occupying force. But as I read this story and I study it, I find that he has a peculiar, a particular love for the Jewish people. No doubt he was a gentleman, but I have to also remember that he did not have a Jewish heritage, yet... As Jesus enters Capernaum, this man sends word to Jesus out of desperation because he has a servant that's sick and this man is on the brink of death. 
And so this centurion, he hears of Jesus coming to his town. He sends Jewish elders to Jesus to plead on his behalf to come and heal his servant. Now, there's no doubt that this centurion must have heard all kinds of stories about Jesus. And the fact that Jesus had this miraculous power of healing, something caused the centurion to believe this, that if his servant was going to be healed, that Jesus of Nazareth was his only hope. And so that was a great demonstration of faith all in itself. Think about this. A man who was a Roman, who worked for the Romans, who was enforcing Roman law, who had been raised under Roman government, who was raised in Roman religion, who had a barrage, a variety of gods, no doubt heard of the miraculous power that Jesus had going from city to city, and something caused this Roman centurion not to turn to the stars, the sun, Jupiter, and Mars, not to turn to the goddess Diana or the god of the day. Something caused within his heart. This man had a servant that was dying who was near death, And so rather than this man burning a lot of candles and turning to one of these many gods, he had heard the miracle working power of Jesus and he told some of his friends, his Jewish friends, he said, listen, this man Jesus is in Capernaum. He's passing through. I want you to go to him on my behalf and tell him that you know somebody that's got a friend who is near death. Would you go to Jesus and compel him to come to my house? Now you think about this. This man had to exercise faith in the fact that these men would do what he asked. But then he also had to exercise faith. Jesus, I believe, is the only hope for this man. He had to exercise faith that Jesus would come. And let me say this, just like that centurion, you and I as believers today, we've got to exercise faith in many ways of our life and realize that Jesus Christ and he alone is the real only source of hope that we have. I can remember when my father and Danny was with me on the day that he had to have, he found out he had to have a triple bypass. Back then, and and our world instantly collapsed because we knew what that meant. George has just had to have open heart surgery. It's a painful surgery. Some of you have had to do that. They saw your chest bone in half and they go in there and work and they do critical things and they they tell the family that what the percentage is, it's a 50-50 or it's an 80-20, whatever your predicament is. But I can remember when they told us that dad had to have a triple bypass. We knew what that meant. And we began to pray, earnestly praying, oh God, if it be your will, let dad come through this. We met with the doctors. They came in, told us, I mean, this thing happened really in the span of 48 hours. And we began to pray. The doctors came out and said, 
He came through fine. It was a long process. You've been through a long process. Several of you have been through a long process. Then I can remember the day that they, they told him that he had, he had what he thought was a hernia. And you've heard this story many times. I'm not going to get down in the depth of those details. But when all of the lab reports and the biopsies came back, Danny and I had taken him to the doctor and we were sitting in there. He had a wonderful doctor. And she sat us down and she said, Mr. Kahoot, you have the worst kind of fastest growing cancer that a person can have. You have Hodgkin's lymphoma. And she said, what we don't understand right now is why this cancer that you have is, is only in one place. A man your age and the type of cancer this, this is, it should be all over your body. And she said, but, and I don't understand it. She said, I have called other doctors in. They don't understand it. She said, in fact, I'm going to be lecturing a group of 50 physicians next weekend. And if it's okay with you, we would like to take his case, make it a case study, present this in the seminar, and open it up for any other opinions, ideas, or suggestions. And she did that. We went back for the consultation. And this physician of my dad said, there, there is no explanation. Nobody knows why what you have is not all over your body. And we begin to pray and pray. To make a long story short with that, he went through all of the treatments. He went through the medications. And at the end of that, the doctor came through and she said, we've not experienced this before, but this cancer is in remission. It's nowhere else in his body. We don't, we don't know. But whatever you're doing, do. Of course, we had spent a lot of time in prayer, and you had spent a lot of time in prayer. When my father had the bypass surgery, God said, it's not time. We put our faith and we put our hope and trust in God. And God miraculously brought him through that. God miraculously brought him through Hodgkin's lymphoma. He got COVID twice. 90 years old. Many of you have had loved ones in your family who went through COVID and they didn't make it or they were impaired in some kind of way. They didn't survive. In this particular story, in our case, God brought him through triple bypass surgery. God brought him through this Hodgkin's lymphoma. God brought him through COVID twice. And then the Saturday morning when I was called to his house with him laying in the floor and he had stroke, we took him to the hospital. We began to pray again. We had seen God do this three times. Brought him through one horrific experience after another. And we began to pray. Oh, we had faith just like we did in the beginning. We had faith in the bypass, triple bypass. We had faith when the doctor said it was cancer, we had faith when he went through COVID. We had faith 
I asked Adam to come help me pick him up out of the floor. We could hardly do it. And I said this to him. I said, Dad, I said, me and Adam cannot do this together. We cannot get you out of the floor. We have to get you out, put you on the bed. But Dad, can you hear me? He said, yes. I said, you have got to grab the bedpost. You've got to hold with all of your might. We're going to have to get you out of the floor. We're waiting for the rescue squad. Can you do that? He said, yes. And he did. And we were able to get him on the bed. And we began to pray and pray and pray. But you know what? On this time, God said, it's his time. Did, did that cause me to lose faith in God? Or Dan, listen. We have to put our faith in God. We have to trust him. He is our only hope. He is the only source of hope that we have. And sometimes God moves him around. And somebody might be sitting here today or listen with that. God didn't do that for me. He took my loved one right away. I prayed and God, listen, God's got it all worked out. He's, he's in control. He loves us too much to do us wrong. He's too wise to make a mistake. God's got it all figured out. And the truth of the matter is, the word says it's appointed unto men once to die and after that the judgment. If the rapture doesn't take place first, we all have an appointment. This centurion, he said, listen, Jesus is the only hope for my friend, my servant to be healed. And we've got to put and learn how to put our faith in action when our troubles and trials come by, just like this man did. And ask him, ask him, Lord God, if it be your will, if this is in your plan, I ask you in Jesus' name, because I believe you're the only source of hope that my loved one has. If it's your will and your plan, God, I praise that you would raise them up as a testimony. God may say yes, he may say no, but I will tell you this, whatever he says, he's still God. He still loves you. Putting your life into Jesus' hands sometimes may make you feel like you're taking a huge leap of faith. But I tell you this, you can catch him. You can catch God any time, day or night. And the truth of the matter is, he will always catch you. I can remember years ago when Adam was just a little boy, just, I'm talking about real little. We, we had been on vacation one summer and these kids, they float around with these little arm floats and swimming pools and stuff. We had been on a vacation. We got to a swimming pool and Adam had got used to swimming in the low water and then a little further out. And then I can remember the day that I got all the way in the deep end. I could barely touch the bottom myself. He was standing around there on the side. He wanted to get in so bad. I said, jump, I'll catch you. I can see him just like it was yesterday. And he had those little floats around his arms and he's like this. I said, no, jump, I'll catch you. He would dance there a little bit more. I said, jump, I'll catch you. Finally, he leaped back and he ran with his arms out like this and I caught him. You know, sometimes 
Jesus is telling us in our spirit, jump. Jump, I'll catch you. And sometimes we sit back and we say, I don't know, I don't know. And God is saying, jump, move, get busy. I promise you this, if God says jump, he will catch you. He will be there for you. You've got to learn how to trust him. That's true faith. Now, number two, quickly, true faith believes this, that Jesus can do anything. Not just some things, but everything. In Ephesians chapter three, verse number 20, this is a scripture that I added later on this week. And fellas, I hope you can get this up there for me, but this is a great verse. In Ephesians chapter three, verse 20, Paul is saying this, now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us. Every single thing that we can imagine God is able to do and do it far beyond our abilities to comprehend it. So these people, these Jewish elders, they get to Jesus and they begin to present the centurion's case and they said, listen, this man has requested that you come heal his servant. He's near death. And before, and Jesus says, okay, I'll go. And before this happening occurred, before Jesus got to the house, this centurion sends a message ahead of Jesus and his party that is coming. And in Luke chapter 7, verse 7 through 10, the word says this, wherefore neither thought I myself worthy to come unto thee, but say in a word, and my servant shall be healed. Now, I want you to get the logist of this because this is a Roman centurion who was raised up in Roman paganism, who had a barrage of different guards, who was an officer in the Roman army, who was now part of the occupying force in Israel. Now he's turning to Jesus, who he believes is the only source of hope he has. No one else in the Roman world can help him. He's now turning to the Jewish leader, so to speak, Jesus. And he's saying this, I believe you're the only person that can help him. Go get this man, Jesus. But his faith even more increases. Because as Jesus is saying, okay, he doesn't know he said, okay. Jesus says, okay, now moving forward to this guy's house, all of a sudden, this man, this Roman centurion, you know what? He's beginning to think he is saying this. Yes, Jesus is my only source of hope. It's only Jesus can help this man. And so what he says is, he says somebody else, he said, go tell Jesus, I believe he's the only one. He, he's the only one can do it. He doesn't have to come here because I believe all he has to do is speak the word. So Jesus, I'm not worthy. John the Baptist said, I'm not worthy to untie his shoes. This servant said, I'm not worthy that you come to my house. All you need to do, Lord, is speak the word. Now notice this. Verse eight, for I also am a man set under authority, having me under, having under me soldiers. And I say unto one, go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant do this, and he doeth it. When Jesus heard these things, he marveled at him, and turned him about and said unto the people that followed him, I say unto you, now look at this. This is amazing. I say unto you, I have not found so great faith. No, not in Israel. Wow. 
He said that of a Roman centurion. And they were sent returning to the house, found the servant whole that had been sick. And so the message brought to Jesus is that, Lord, this man, the centurion, saying you don't even have to come to his house to perform the healing miracle. If it's your will and your desire, this man believes that all you have got to do is speak the word. He doesn't consider himself worthy enough for the Savior to enter his house. And so the centurion in faith knows that all Jesus needs to do is speak the word, even from a distance. And the healing, if it was his will, would take place. And so the satyrian had faith in the authority of Jesus to simply command this sickness to leave or for the servant to rise up. And if that was the plan of God, if that was the will of God, then it would happen. True faith, listen carefully, has confidence that Jesus can do anything and that there is absolutely nothing outside of the scope of his power that can shut him down. In Matthew 19, 26, the word says, but Jesus beheld them and said unto them, with men, this is impossible, but with God, things, all things are possible. And if we have faith that Jesus can do anything in our life, listen, it changes our approach to everything. If we believe he can do anything, it changes our approach to everything. When I, listen, there might be some people here this morning that's going through a severe marital problem. I mean, you're struggling right now. You don't know if you're going to be together tonight. You don't know if you're going to be together tomorrow. There are things going on internally right now, externally, and everything in your marriage could be completely in an upheaval. Here's what you do. You don't throw your hands up and walk away from something like that. When you are a believer and you have faith in Jesus. Listen, if you believe Jesus can do anything, it changes your perspective on everything. Now, does it mean that God will intervene and change the dynamics of all that's happening? It doesn't mean that at all. And if God chooses not to do that, doesn't, doesn't mean that he's less God doesn't mean that he doesn't love you. But there are so many things involved in this. God may be saying this. You don't deserve to be a punching bag. You do not need to be a person that needs to be abused for the rest of your life. There may be certain dynamics that happen and take place that you just cannot get through. God knows that. God makes provision of that. You say, well, how, how in the world is that possible? Let me remind you of something that you may not be readily familiar with, but the, most, I would say, everybody in here knows that Dr. Charles Stanley just passed away. Did you know he's been divorced for about 40 years? Did, did he choose that? Did he will that? Did he desire that? Absolutely not. Do you think he tried to work that out? Of course he did. But there are certain things that happen that God removes us from. And when we think that all hell has broke loose in our life, and when we think that things are just turned upside down, as a believer, we have got to remember this, that God is in control. 
He sees it all. He knows it all. So if we believe that Jesus can do anything, it changes our perspective on everything. God may work in the way that you're praying for, and he may choose for his own will not to. Does that mean that you'll fully understand it on this side? No, but the old song says, we'll all understand it better in the by and by. If we have faith that Jesus can do anything, it changes our perspective on everything. You might be going through a marital problem right now. Go to the Lord. Have faith in Jesus. Ask him to change things and step back and see what he does. There might be somebody here this morning that's going through some type of an addiction. I don't have time this morning to go through a list of that, but there could be addictions of all sorts and you're wrestling today. There might be somebody that's going through a period of darkness and and depression. Listen, go to the Lord. Present it to the Lord. Believe that Jesus, listen, can do anything, and it will change your perspective on everything. Let me ask you this. Do you really believe that Jesus can do anything? Let me ask you this. Where do you need God to show up most today in your life? You know where that spot is. You know where that place is. Remember this. God knows what's best for us. My dad said this in his final days before the stroke. And I just talked to him on a Monday before he had the stroke on Saturday. He was standing up talking, laughing. And he said this to me. He said it to Danny many times. He said, I'm just, he's going on 92 He passed away in March. He would have been 92 in November, November the 11th. He said, I'm praying that I'll make the double zeros. What he was saying is, I'm praying that I'll live to be 100. He was 91, soon to be 92. God didn't answer that prayer exactly like he wanted. Does that mean that God didn't love him? God had a different plan. I I would have loved to see him live as long as Methuselah. That would have meant that I would have had to live somewhere along that line too. (laughs) If I lived to see it. I'm homesick for heaven. I've got a longing to go. When Jesus hears the confidence that this man has, the Bible says that he's amazed. Now listen, number three, quickly, I want our musicians to come forward. True faith joins God in serving. In John 14, verse 12, true faith is not just believing that Jesus can do anything and everything, but believing that Jesus can do something in and through our life. In John 14, 12, the word says, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that believeth on me, the works that I do shall he do also, and greater works than these shall he do, because I go unto my Father. And then in Philippians chapter 2, verse 13, the word says, For it is God which worketh in you, to both will and to do of his good pleasure. And so think about this now. We believe God in faith to rescue us from hell. We believe God in faith to make us a new creature. We believe God in faith 
because it requires that to live in this hostile world. But we have to take our faith more than just believing. We've got to become doers of the word, doers of our faith, not just hearers of the word. In James 2.14, the word says, What doth it profit, my brethren, though a man say he hath faith and have not works? Can faith save him if a brother or sister be naked and destitute of daily food? And one of you say unto them, Depart in peace, be you warmed and not filled, or, or in field, notwithstanding you give them not those things which are needful to the body? What doth it profit, even so faith, if it hath not works is dead being alone? And so I want you to think about this this morning. As our musicians are here and we begin to close this service, listen carefully, our faith is demonstrated in our Christian service, out of our comfort zones, out of our pews. It's our faith is demonstrated in our Christian service. Our faith is demonstrated. It plays out in our sacrifices. Our faith our Christian service, our works, listen, are like the two feet on a person walking out our journey in Christ with a left foot of faith and then a right foot of works, a left foot and then a right foot until the, you think about this, until we're all working in harmony together where the two cannot be distinguished. We're all moving and working for the glory of God. So let me ask you this and we'll close. What is your heart? What is your eyes? What is your voice? What is your hands? What are your feet doing for the kingdom? Believe God in faith to equip you and become a doer of the word and not just a hearer. You listen to Pastor Tony Cahoot. For more information, visit our website at BufordRoadBaptistChurch.com.